transforming opportunities in the hospitality industry for people of color. That is the task undertaken by Dynamo Lauren Darnell and her organization, Made in New Orleans, also known as Minnow. It's on tip of the tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. Welcome. Today we're here with Lauren Darnell of Minnow, and she is going to talk to us about all of the wonderful things that they're doing and also how she got there. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey to Minnow? Sure. Well, I'm from New Orleans, so thus made in New Orleans means something much more than just some words. And I think that being in this leadership role, it's not, it doesn't make the most sense of like how I ended up here, but it feels like a very, very good fit. I've been doing nonprofit work for some time. I lived in New York and London and moved back over almost over 10 years ago. I moved back home and had started a nonprofit for myself or by myself, I should say, teaching yoga to kids in schools. I've always been drawn to education and the benefits of providing resources for kids in schools was always something very near and dear. And um, I, at its height, Yoga Power Play, the nonprofit I worked for and, and founded I was working with 10 schools, providing yoga to kids in schools. And then I worked with Son of a Saint as director of partnerships and special projects, focusing on their mentorship program, mental health services, as well as their recruitment and partnerships with University of New Orleans. And then I came to the foundation through a relationship with Shannon White, who um, is the CEO of BRG Hospitality. I have known her for most of my life. And we had a conversation about what the foundation was doing, you know, or what it was not doing really, because it was sort of lying dormant. And I met some of the alumni from the culinary scholarship program. And I felt like I could really do something with this really, really important mission to make a difference in the lives for black indigenous people of color in New Orleans and the hospitality industry. So Um, She asked, you know, if I would lead the nonprofit at the time, which was the John Besh Foundation, and I accepted the role and then navigated to separate from the restaurant group so that we could be independent and continue to do this work. And it was as soon as I took over the foundation, I renamed it Made in New Orleans was able to start with a new board and separate on good terms so that we could continue to do this important work. That's a long story, but (laughs) uh, point being that, that whatever I'm up to, it's in support of growth um, of others. And that that's the common theme. Well, I've met a lot of the graduates of the program and we work a lot with uh, Byron Bradley and it, 
It's a, it's a really fabulous program, and you do have really outstanding the people. talent is beyond. Yeah, yeah. Jeff yeah. Jeff Byron is, you know, I hate to say magical, but he is such. <laughs> he has he has been in this industry for a long time, and and he is someone that came to cooking in a very special way, and you know was in the you know served our country, was in the Navy, and you know, cooked in many kitchens and now is running his own catering business and just watching him thrive is such a gift. And he's um, a popcorn machine of ideas. So. Yeah, he is. He's very creative. Yeah, he's yeah. extremely creative. Yeah, he's he's I he's like an ambassador for, for what we do. And I remember our first phone call and um and and hearing his experiences and he's just he's just a wealth of experience and he really is a testament to what the future of this industry is going to look like. Speaking of the industry, um, the industry has taken a big hit during the past year. And I don't think that it's a rosy future for in the short run. I don't think that the industry is dead or anything like that. But I do believe that there's still a, a kind of period that we have to wait before it can begin to reopen and thrive again. How is that affecting your market, the people that you serve? Sure. I think that we, I think that we've seen that there's a lot of challenges that aren't going away anytime soon. Just being able to navigate things open and closing and phases changing. And, you know, also, you know, the threat of becoming ill yourself a lot of people that we serve have COVID and, mm-hmm. and they are, they are fine and sense and have recovered from it, but it's, it's, you know, what they experience really does tell the tale of how serious this pandemic is and just how valiant they are in their commitment to their work. And, and, you know, also feeling, you know, right from the beginning, very expendable, right? There was, there's, there was a lot of, of doubt of well, what am I going to do? And, um, you know, what can I do? And I think from that, from that real, like, you know, tough place came a lot of innovation and a lot of, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to move forward with my catering business. I'm going to move forward with pop-ups. I'm going to move forward in starting my own business that I, that I have been working on. So there was a, a lot of, um, you know, the, the, the experience in the hospitality industry isn't monolithic, right? There's a lot of variance to it, especially for black and brown people, black indigenous people of color. There's a lot of different experiences. And, you know, we have, I have some alumni who were promoted and became executive chef of a restaurant. And that became an avenue available because of the pandemic. And they are um, in a position what they deserve to be for a really long time. But because of the unique environment that we are in, they were able to, to take a hold of, of, of this restaurant and move it forward. So there's a lot, the experience definitely isn't like, you know, one experience for everyone. Everyone has had a different, different lay of the land. And, and I find our work, you know, we have a, a bees grocery fund, a $50 grocery um, grant that we can, we give to hospitality professionals. Uh, we've been fundraising for. So one of our alumni, Chef Cassidy Lewis, who was really having hardship. She left her restaurant position, started her own catering business. She's like, I really want to give back. Like, how do I help even people who are in more need than me? So there's been a lot of innovation from this trying time. Um, 
and there's been a lot of hardship. So it's, it's, it's a, a mixed bag, but I think people are persevering and extremely resilient and we're here to help and serve, to help and assist the best way we can. So what has Minnow done to adapt to this time? I am home. <laughs> this is my home. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, you know, we were, I think there's an experience of shock. Like we were in shock. We were working in a shared, a co-working space and, and, you know, our, our culinary scholarship alumni and people in industry could like pop in on us all the time, which was great. We were out at restaurants and, you know, at pop-up events and supporting, you know, in our physical presence and being there, but also like driving people to different events. And so um, we, we stopped that. We had, um, we, we are operating at home. Our team, we operate via Zoom professionally like everybody else. And we just wanted to make sure that everyone was being safe. And we did an entire fundraiser online called Pass the Peas. Um, that was magnificent. And I am so humbled by all the support that we had. Megan Foreman from Gracious Bakery was, you know, on our um, committee as well as um, Small Chalk. And we just had so much support that we were able to pull off this. We just, you know, build some new skill sets and threw a party on Zoom and it worked out. And everyone um, was able to purchase a dinner and it was delivered we had a lot of help. Shout out to Chef Serena Johnson, who cooked the meal for that for that evening, a former scholarship alum, as well as our board member. So we've we've just we've kept it home. We've kept it local. And, mm-hmm. you know, we we do what we can. We promote and share people who are catering or doing, you know, meals We uh, or doing delivery. We've tried to just really support. We did an online talking series that we're actually in our um, our second phase of, so we did it in the summer and we're doing it now where we just do online check-ins like similar to this mm-hmm. uh, on our Instagram, it's called made together. And we, we call, we Instagram live with people and we talk about, you know, what are they, what, what are they up to? What are they doing? How are they feeling? Is there anything that they want to share that they're working on? And it's all in, in service of community. So we have a lot of tools, <laughs> A lot of tools, including our our technology that that helps us to connect. But we've shifted a lot. We did we were doing dinners before, and we were we were out and about. We were in Boystown, Louisiana, doing you know monthly dinners with their their um, young young men in their program. And so we had to really we had to really change a lot. And so, is it making you rethink sort of what you can accomplish in sense of? Like, like, just to, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, here at the museum, one of the things that we've done is we have recognized that, you know, visitorship is down like 90%. Yeah. And there are no tourists in town or hardly any tourists in town. And so we've kind of pivoted to doing a lot more things online and sure. to to more sharing the museum online than we had before. And we've also decided that it's a good thing for the future so that even when things return to normal, as they say, and people are visiting again and we are able to gather together and maybe have receptions and parties at the museum and all sorts of other things that we used to do, we are still going to keep this component of 
online online yes yes exactly <laughs> yeah simply yeah. because um it's it's a way to take the museum to other people who can't get here and even when we have people visiting again there's still going to be people who can't come and yeah. And so being able to share the museum in that way is something that we've learned is a good thing to take to the future. And if we hadn't had this shakeup, right. um, we would probably never have really gotten there or it would have been a while before we got there. It was almost as though we you were in suspended animation and so the world stops around you so now well let's just develop this new thing yeah. and you know because you didn't have to keep developing or keep running the other things which right. take your time away from thinking of new things that's the kind of thing i'm asking you what things yeah. like that have you discovered i think that the pandemic in all of its tragedy and trauma has really, um, and I've spoken to many people about this, so um, it's not just my experience, but um, you know, I, I think that it's provided a way to simplify um, what you're doing and a, a way to like regroup. I know at the time in which things did shut down, we had a lot of momentum. We were very excited. We were going to you know speak at southern food waste symposium about future of of new orleans restaurants with um dookie chase um the fourth we were very excited there were so many things that we were had queued up and we were really ready for and when it when it happened or when initial um you know quarantine happened um it did give us a chance to to regroup and reassess and um you know i, I you know we we made, we had to um, expand our team and then shrink our team and then expand. And then we found the sort of right um, flavor that we could work with that would, that really support us. Um, and it, you know, it, it's a constant adapting. So I think that I absolutely agree with you that there, there will always be an online element in some way. Mm -hmm. You can't really replace this human connection yeah. in person. Um, but we, we agreed that past the peas, um, our, you know, our virtual fundraiser and, and in-home dinner experience, we will probably always have an online element to it because we were, people were able to zoom in from New York, from, you know, from California, from all over who have a love for this city and a love for, you know, um, the, who we are serving in this city and the hospitality industry to contribute. So it was really and just to be a part of the conversation. And it was really powerful. It was really meaningful. And it had an impact on, on the evening. And, and it did build community cross, cross our so city limits. So I, I, think that, I think that that will continue. And so when you did pass the peas and you had people from, say, California, did they get a delivery? No, but, you know, who knows what the future can be. Our partner, which is My House Events, shout mm -hmm. out to My House Events. They're a wonderful group of, of, of human beings doing good work. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, one of their co-founders lives in L.A. now. She moved to L.A. During, um, during the quarantine. And who knows, it's possible. But we thought about that. We're like, okay, so here, here's what we can do. Here's what we vision and we would love to do. We sent everyone recipes. So they were able to go purchase, you mm -hmm. know, the produce able to cook along but there's so many ways in which we can we can create in that um in that way and again food builds community whether it's in you know new jersey or it's here 
food builds community no, no matter where you are, which is why Made Together has been such a fun experience because you're making, we're making cocktails, we're, we're doing cooking demonstrations, we're talking to people and, and through all these conversations, we're recognizing each other's humanity that we're human, you're going through something, I'm going through something too, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit different, but, but there's still something that, to share from that. So one of the things that we kind of struggled with is making sure that what we did was still about and reflected the mission of the museum. So we had this big conversation with our board who kept saying, you should be giving classes. Well, everybody's giving classes, you know, and we kept saying, that's not what we do. We're a museum. We may have classes, but we have to have classes that deal with the culture of the food and deal with the history of the food and its objects and all of that sort of thing. And not just how do you make red beans and rice, for example. Well, let's tell about red beans and rice. Why do we eat it? Where did it come from? Who influenced it? All that sort of thing. And do you find that that was also an issue that you had to make sure that what you did continued to reflect your mission? Absolutely. You're, you know, our, our main focus um, or part of our focus, I should say, the culinary scholarship, right? So providing educational resources. Mm-hmm. So we had two scholarship recipients in New York when the pandemic hit. And so we were very, very concerned and wanted to make sure that they completed their program. And they did, they were essentially able to graduate um, and return home. But, but we decided to put our culinary scholarship on hold for the for the year because we couldn't it just didn't make sense and we're Mm -hmm. fundraising and we wanted to sort of see what the lay of the land was going to look like um we're excited because we're we're seeking out you know another culinary scholarship with another school or schools and opening that up because things have changed and have evolved Mm -hmm. um but there's there's you know we you know made in new orleans it's very much about if I'm not connecting to our culinary scholarship alumni, if I'm not hearing what they're experiencing on the ground and talking to our network of, of Black, Indigenous, people of color in this industry, then I know I'm not doing my job. So that's a measurement for me, whatever's happening in the city or in this nation. I'm always focusing on what's their experience, how are they doing, what's needed, is anything needed? Um, and so it's, it's a constant walking with and in celebration of, of, of their work and what they're trying to create. So that Minnow is working to remove barriers. We're, mm-hmm. our, our work is really centered on being a mediator, removing barriers. Um, our, our recent program, our equity partnership program, we're working with uh, hospitality organizations to eliminate biases, looking at their training, hiring, firing policies so that we can sort of work on all levels to support the success and thriving for people to thrive in this industry. So I, that's my testament. So that's how I know if if we're in the if we're in the right right foot forward or not. It's it's you know kind of checking on checking on my people and see how they're doing, right? So that that always helps to inform and and I know that I've gotten off in the wrong direction if I haven't heard or connected with with who we serve. Yeah. Well, don't forget that Sofab has that entrepreneurship scholarship that uh, that Ooh, we, <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> 
And also I want to say shout out to your classes. I know you mentioned the classes. I've been waiting for my son to be, be old enough so that he can attend the kids cooking classes. Oh, yeah. I've been eyeballing those for, for quite some time now. I think this year he's, he's of age to, to do it. I think it's seven or maybe seven. Yeah, seven. Yeah. seven. Yeah. So he's turning yeah. seven in March. So oh, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. 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 And then, and we have one scholarship a year that goes to somebody who gets to use our kitchen at no cost. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So that's, that's the entrepreneurship scholarship that I'm talking about. And uh, um, uh, that we, we also have had to sort of suspend it this year because of all of the, of sure. a lot of the issues. I've been to your, you know, Byron, uh, Two Brothers, One Love. Right. They've done events out of the museum, which have been amazing. We had a group of, of um, costume designers from LA who were filming here and they purchased an auction item at Pass the Peas last year. And um, Byron um, cooked, Byron and David Hargrove, Chef Byron, Chef mm -hmm. David, cooked um, a private meal for them. And we, they were astounded by the museum. They loved it so much. They really did. They were like, can we wander around? I was like, yeah, a little bit, not too much, but a little bit you can wander. And they came back and they, they just really enjoyed the experience entirely. Um, yeah, it, it, it was, it was a nice, um, it sort of fit really nicely with, with the meal and with the dinner. Well, and it's also an unusual place to do it. It's not yeah. like a restaurant. I mean, it really isn't, even though it is, I mean, we have, right. well, it's equipped for it. Yeah. You guys yeah. have, yeah. You have the equipment. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it's it's not your standard restaurant. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, correct. So, what what are you looking for in the future? What are you looking toward? Well, we're um, you know steady on. We imagine the future of the hospitality industry that works for everyone, that includes everyone, and we know that is going to take a lot of work. So we are very focused on our, our vision to work with restaurants, to work with hospitality organizations, that they you know, receive equity assessments, that they receive training for their leadership, um, and that they are examining their policies and procedures and culture of practice to be in support of Black, Indigenous, people of color. We have a very special, special city that, um, you know, always has a bright future. And I believe the work we do today is developing a brighter future for Black, Indigenous, people of color in New Orleans and the industry. And it takes everyone working together, every, everyone working together to make a difference and to ensure that there is fairness, there are workplaces that where people are thriving, access to leadership, management, ownership, more Black-owned businesses. I hope Minnow in like five to 10 years, we are only existing to support all the executive chefs of color that exist, that we're just here to support and continue to elevate all the Black-owned businesses, um, uh, food entrepreneurs, uh, really innovating um, the food culture here, that, that I'm like out of a job. That would be awesome. <laughs> that, that, I, that we can just celebrate each other and celebrate, you know, all the things that there's so much that works to separate us. And so there is, the, but there's so much to bring us together that is, that is, you know, 
through and through of what it means to be from New Orleans and be of New Orleans. And so I'm encouraged. I really am. I'm encouraged. I'm inspired every day. Um, you know, I feel very blessed and very thankful to be in this position and, and to be advocating for what it could be. Um, so we're, we're, we're steady on working. We're continuing to eat, continuing to support black owned business, continuing to drink. And we also, you know, health and health moderation, and wellness. Right? Right? Moderation, moderation. Moderation is always good. Um, but there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with indulgence and enjoying, enjoying, um, the, the, the delicious food and, um, that the we have here. culture of the city. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, how many, how many, um, scholarships are you planning to give out the next time you do this? So it's really dependent on what we fundraise. We sort of set a base of, of two positions, but we'd love to be in a place where we're giving out four um, or more. Mm -hmm. um, the investment in a culinary education is um, quite a sound one, meaning minimum, you know, for one um, nine month tuition can be a range from 15,000 to 34,000. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the, the base level. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it, it takes a village to actually, you know, raise the finances to, to send people. Um, but if we're steady at it and steady on, you know, there's, there's total 19 scholarship culinary scholarship alumni uh -huh. or alumni, um, now. So, and that's just been in works like steady every year, every year, every year. So do you find that you have women and men applying do is it about absolutely 50, yes is it about 50 50 or it is it, it is there's um it is and we're yes absolutely we um have a focus on some women um specific programming for women in business so mm -hmm. that is a part of our our build your business program as well but yes it's it's it was you know half and half but we sent two we sent two um, men to or um, to school last year, and we were going to send two women this current year. So we'll see. We'll see what we can do um, moving forward. Yeah, I think that it's expensive to go to culinary school, mm. and if you're really only getting a minimum wage job out of it, um, it's it is something that being able to have a scholarship to do is just really wonderful because I really feel badly for those people who have horrible school debt yeah. um, after they've gone to culinary school and, and they are working at not a lot, you know, in entry-level jobs where they aren't really getting that much in return. Well, we're, you're, you're talking about a lot of financial barriers that, that, people have, especially in this industry. And there's, you know, there's a lot to speak to when people receive award-winning educations and come back and only um, are given entry-level positions. Mm -hmm. it, it really is something to examine and look at. And we think about, you know, what is the pathway to an executive chef? Is that, is that the like gold star that we're reaching towards? Or is it, you know, being a caterer and a private private dining event is that is that more lucrative is that something so I think that there's there's different roads and career pathways um but I I find it heartbreaking 
that, you know, you can get a star award-winning education and still not have access to the opportunities that someone who is not a black indigenous person of color would have access to. Um, I think of Kyle Wilson, who just came back from ICC. He's been working in the industry for years and he is working at Hotel Chloe. He's doing well. He feels like he's in a supportive environment where he can be creative. He's working close to close with Chef Todd over there. And, and to me that, to me, like, you know, I know he wants to open his own business and he is learning and growing. And it's like, there's so many different ways to, to get to where we want to go. So, um, you know, and again, it can look different for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Lauren, I want to thank you so much for your time, your ideas, for all the things you do at Minnow. And um, I hope that when this is all over and we're in the new normal, whatever that is, that we can talk again. And you can talk about where things are going. And, um, and we've got a baseline right now for us to compare it to. That's so true. Thank, thanks so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's lovely to speak with you, Liz. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue. We come to you from the Camellia Bean Studio at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, part of the Nitty Grits Network. For more information on today's podcast, join the Tip of the Tongue podcast group on Facebook. Please come by when you're in New Orleans and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, let us know in the comments. This is Liz Williams.